a long time ago on a comics page far, far away. Greetings and welcome to May the Panel Be With You, the Star Wars comic book show brought to you by the Punch-Up Entertainment Network. I am Mike Argoni, and joining me, as always, the Wolf Yularen to my Grand Moff Tarkin, it's John Campbell. <laughs> Man, you have the most fun coming up with those, don't you? I 100% do. <laughs> I do, I can see it. There's a delight. I think the, the watchers, if you're watching this on YouTube, you can see he's got a gleeful little, he's going to do a thing. Um... <laughs> Oh, here we go, Gregoni. We're still in 1997, which really, uh, I mean, I was already a Star Wars fan by this point, but I, I think we both talked about 97 was where it's like Star Wars mania hit a real height for our generation, I think. Well, because we started to anticipate that there was maybe more bigger Star Wars just around the corner. The rumblings were beginning about prequels being made and pre-production had already begun. Yeah. We, we started... And- to like really sink into the idea that like, wait, Star Wars isn't just the thing that Dark Horse does or the books yeah. that get published. And with this, the re-release of the movie started this whole media merchandising tie-in stuff. They reissued so many. I I bought the majority of my Star Wars figures during this time because mm-hmm. they were new, cool Star Wars figures. And this amazing comic book, which I say <laughs> no sarcasm. This boy. horrific cash grab of a comic book. Oh, boy. I mean, you talk about, I mean, this is, when you talk about a tie-in comic book, this is what it is, where it's like, this, as we've talked so many times, is purely about tying into a thing, because it, it really has nothing to do on its own. Right. And it is... I used the word last time, and I'm going to use it again this time, and that is perfunctory. It is. Mm-hmm. Yep. Every piece here adds up to a Star Wars comic book adaptation of A New Hope. Just don't look too hard at where the pieces are coming from. Just it look is, at it from a distance, specifically the right. four-part cover that must be collected with the other three parts. Hey, this four-part cover we got to talk about again. We got, va- I mean, I I'll like the into this art- cover right away then. Uh, oh. Yeah. Uh, Gregory, I got another question for you. Mm-hmm. I don't remember an older Caesar Romero being in Star Wars. John, I said the name Wolf Yularen. Or were you not paying attention? I didn't hear it. But I'm saying, where is this guy? This guy gets a cover appearance. <laughs> He's in the boardroom sequence, and that's it. And for some reason, he gets a cover appearance. Uh, I do like, they're almost just like, mm, you need another bad guy on here. <laughs> And they couldn't have just added, I don't know, another stormtrooper or something. <laughs> Anybody. I just love, it is one of those things where it's like, I and I know this guy is actually in the movie on like last week's robot fiasco, but right. um, th- this guy, but it is one of those things where I went, wait, what? Oh, yeah, is more what I have with Whereas this one. I'm doing the Leonardo DiCaprio meme pointing at the screen going, I know that guy. He really does look like older Cesar Romero. Uh, uh, but yes, we are on issue number three. You can see the cover now if you're with us on YouTube. But uh, yeah. we are on issue number three of the 1977 or 1997. I keep getting those mixed up. Uh, Star yeah. Wars A New Hope 
uh, hyphen special edition number three, originally released March 5th, 1997. We've got Bruce Jones as the writer again, mostly the same creative team. Eduardo Barreto on pencils, Al Williamson on inks, uh, Carlos Garzon on also inks, and Steve Dutro on letters. And this is a Dave Dorman cover, as they all have been. Yes, and of course, this is uh, part three of the four-part cover. You're meant to collect them all, and they could be fit together to make a bigger mural with the Death Star as the central node of that mural. And you can see the, let's call it the ass of the Death Star <laughs> here in the upper right corner of the And hey, man, the Death, yeah, the Death Star's got some junk in its trunk, if you know Look, what I mean. I like big battle stations, and I cannot lie. <laughs> <laughs> this is why you love Force Awakens most of all, because that is the biggest battle station. Now, John, there's a keen distinction between a battle station and a planet which has been terraformed to become a weaponized machine of death. And Starkiller Base is the latter of those two things. I like a completely artificial facade. That's I, all I'm saying. I gotta say, and I think Rise of Skywalker, and I... I know I'm 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 breaking this for just a second, because we're not allowed to talk. We shouldn't talk about those movies, but... Don't do it, uh, John. But I'll just say, like, I think because that like snapped me into it, dude. Force Awakens is not that good, man. And I'm and I'm realizing like there are things in it like that where I'm going, that's insane. My sister recently started rewatching the Star Wars films, and she asked me like, okay, so when should I watch the? I got, I got the prequels, I got the sequels. When should I watch the other movies like Solo and Rogue One? Mm-hmm. I let her know where they slot into the timeline. Yeah, yeah. And uh, and then I just followed that up by saying, and don't watch the sequels. And because she's my sister and she loves me, she says, oh, that was never part of the plan. Oh, <laughs> very good. Yeah, I love Last Jedi as an individual film, but it's sandwiched by two not great movies. And uh, I think that I think I think now I have enough removal from it where I'm like the like, oh, my God, Star Wars is back. I can go like, hey, it's not the mess that Rise of Skywalker is, but that's not great. Moving on. Uh, All right. All right. <laughs> I'm not going to yeah. relitigate yeah. the sequels here yet again. Yeah. Uh, Someday. We will, we will get to some sequel era comics. I assure yeah. you we will. Yeah. Because oh, yeah. there are some things to talk about the Knights of Ren oh. that we will get into. Oh, I read that. I read the fucking uh, Kylo Ren book. But that is not today. Today we are going to get back into this Star Wars said. New Hope special right. edition. Get past the... Because it's the same creator We get the page. timeline. We get the creators. Uh... Uh, love that timeline. Still looking at it going, yes, yes, my Star Wars. There we go. But moving on. We're back to Mike Mignola back again for a guest page. Holy shit, exactly. <laughs> what is with this inking? <laughs> Where is that? What what sun have they passed that's causing this? What Where are all those planets coming from? Oh, this is I didn't I don't re- I didn't remember the Death Star being surrounded by a, a whole massive solar system of planets that are all real close to each other. Sh- shouldn't they still be in the like debris pile that is Alderaan at this point? I guess Alderaan had a bunch of neighboring planets. Or, or when they blew it up, it just gave birth to a bunch of baby planets. Yeah, that's what this is. All the pieces of Alderaan have created these new planets. Oh, congratulations, uh, Alderaan. You're a parent. Yeah, uh, so we uh, we we go to the next page here. Super bummed Luke Skywalker. Oh, yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen Star Wars and you're listening to this show, we've just escaped from the Death Star. That's where we're at. Yeah. I love the idea of, of, number one, you haven't seen Star Wars, so you're watching this show, and two, that you would start on this episode. <laughs> So yeah, Leia's putting a blanket over super bummed Luke. 
the 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 problem is, as we've been saying in the previous issues, everybody looks bummed all the time in this book. So it's hard to really read this as like. I mean, you talk about like grim faced Han Solo, which we've had this entire time. The bottom right hand panel here of when he's strapping into the gunner's position, and he just looks like he's about to storm the beaches of Normandy. I know. Once again, it's really playing into like these are soldiers in a war. None of the fun space adventure of Star Wars is present. All it's like, this is Han going, I'm about to take lives. Yeah. So we've got sentry ships incoming. We've got to hold them off. Come on, buddy. We're not out of this yet. As he like says, Luke, shake it off. I don't care if you like that old man. We got to go kill some people. And once again, if you don't know the layout of the Falcon from having seen the movies, what is happening right now? He walks somewhere, cut to him on a ladder, Cut to Luke already in the gunner's seat. Wow. That's a yeah. lot to add. Yeah. Also, I like that uh, Han's gloves go from fingerless in the uh, like middle left panel to yep. the fingered driver's gloves that are normally his want in the bottom two panels. Correct. Yeah. What the hell? Once again, <laughs> I know what those are. I had, the, I had the action figure of Han in the turret seat. I know what those gloves look like. Uh, all right. So we go to Concerned... Concerned Leia, although, what's going on with her lips? Oh. She's just gasping lightly at the majesty of space and also trying not to breathe through her nose because she's sitting next to Chewbacca. Yeah, well. Chewbacca was in a garbage pit and hasn't had a chance to shower yet. Uh, Number one, wet Wookiee to begin with and then Mm -hmm. wet garbage water. Yeah, at least Han and Luke got to change their clothes after they got out of the He's not happy about it because look at how fucking pissed Chewie is. Well, with his uh, classic angry noise, rock. A rock! I want a rock! <laughs> see, I, I heard it as rock. Oh, see, I heard it as he's, this is Chewie's sick metal band. Right. That's fair. Chewie and the Chewettes uh, did have a, a long stint <laughs> in the late 80s. They were early, early metal hits. Uh mm-hmm. So, all right, we've got a bunch of TIE fighters flying by the Falcon. Weirdly restrained page on this issue. We've noted before how this book feels like it is really abridging the entirety of Star Wars. Oh, uh, yeah. The first movie. And it is trying to just, like, take a hacking cleaver to scenes to try to remove bits from this book to try to get it down to 24 pages. Oh, God, And that is kind of not the case in these back two issues because as we stated at the end of last episode we have two issues left in a four issue series but only like 30 minutes of movie you left say, yeah that's about was my guess about about a half hour yeah um, so we're gonna we start stretching like, this like taffy because we've talked about this dog fight is basically a kind of a it's a cool moment but it's a smaller action beat to get us to the big action beat of this is your end of act two action beat before the major climactic battle. But mm-hmm. it almost feels like, and I don't know, I, I, this is, if he did this, then, then this is a stupid way to do this. It's almost like he just started adapting and didn't think about, I'm going to place this here, here and here. And then when, Oh, I've gone through too much too fast on the first two pages. I better slow down on the first two issues. I better slow down. Mm-hmm. Like, well, he did too good a job of abridging initially. Considering we spend the next two pages in this dogfight, and mm-hmm. 
again, the real estate on this book is we got to start, like, if we're going to be, all we've really got left is get to Yavin 4 and then do the trench run. Like, we yeah. got to spend some time shooting these TIE fighters. Well, they do. We get a look inside on the next page here. We get a look at a TIE fighter pilot. Why couldn't that uh, have been the extra bad guy on the front cover? Yeah, actually, the 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 TIE fighter pilot, because that's a, that's iconic. Yeah. Uh, nope, got to go with that. Wolf Yalorin. Yeah, I did not have his action figure. Did have a TIE fighter pilot figure, though. Um, well, ISB Admiral Wolf Yalorin, you didn't have his... I had Tarkin. I didn't have the. I didn't have the Wolf Yarn. No, no <laughs> uh, so Han and Le- or Han and Luke are pew pewing all over the place. Although it's interesting, it's a it's a few. Is it a few or is it a few? I don't know. Or is it a pew? And you do pronounce the pew. Yeah, I don't know. Whereas in the movie, it's more of like a cack, cack, cack. It's like a, it's a, those like a, ratcheting like guns. A, make it's like an st- anti-aircraft, anti-aircraft gun from World War II. Yeah, it's got like more of a staccato sound to it. It's less of a few, few. Yeah, because it, yeah. The, Whatever. Um, uh, 3PO's getting, I don't know. Well, he's in the a closet in that like top right panel there. I don't know where he is. But here it looks like he's in like a sandstorm. Yeah, do you remember all the bits of the Millennium Falcon exploding during this scene? Because I don't. I don't either. They really... Well, once again, it's not only do we have to stretch this out, but apparently this guy felt the need to ratchet up the action here, too. Unfortunately, well, there's clearly a dire sparrow in that panel with 3PO. <laughs> due to- <laughs> sparrow! <laughs> For some reason, one of the sound effects is Sparrow! I have no idea what that is. Got to be one of the most baffling sound effects I've ever seen in a comic book. That is the shriek of a dire space entity. Barrow! Uh, we cut into See, now all of a sudden we're doing what they haven't been doing. Lots of close-ups with one word bubble. Mm-hmm. And again, uh, that would be great if they were actually capturing the mannerisms of the actors involved. Because... <laughs> Han Solo here being like, you hear me, baby, hold it together, is like this yeah. like worried moment of, please, this ship that I've poured my soul into, don't betray me. And in this now, page, it's like, you hear me, baby, hold it together. Yeah, he's, he's saying the gritted teeth, hold it together. Ah! Uh, also, don't worry, she'll hold together. Not based on what I'm seeing here, man. The Falcon's already mostly blown apart at this point. R2's uh, got to use some fire extinguishers. We get swooping all ships. We get Luke trying to do some more foos. Ooh, foo foo. That's uh, the sound of Pong, by the way, I'm realizing now. <laughs> uh, more TIE fighters swooping. Han takes one out. Luke takes one out. Han gives him the don't get cocky. Hey, a rare moment, though, where he actually split a line into two word bubbles and did it like in a cut, which is. No. Now, like I said, now it's starting to feel like they have the 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 pacing to actually give us the beats of the dialogue in the right. like proper rendition because we need to stretch this out a little bit. Because that is delivered in a great sh- great kid, and then the and then he almost says the don't get cocky almost to himself, right? Like mm-hmm. it's a turn sort of thing. Um, but yeah, we are all of a sudden every other truncated action beat. This is just nonstop pew pew. Although now we get a shum. I do like a good shum, especially as the uh, last two explosions go to a kerwam and a whoom on the next page. 
I do love a whooming explosion. Love them. Uh, or, or is it more of a whom, as in whom has done this? Well, then it would have been a whomst, John. Oh, whomst has committed such a <laughs> crime against the Empire. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's it. We did it. And a very, I know they hug in the movie, but it's very tender here, this Chewbacca. Oh, Chewbacca's not even really like getting his arms around her all that much. But once again, he reeks. Yeah, he's, it's a garbage Wookiee that you're living in that cockpit with right now. And no one likes the smell, especially Chewbacca. I love the term garbage Wookiee. If we ever make shirts from this, I want just like a, I just want art of a fully drenched Chewbacca with like some pieces of trash hanging off of him. And he's standing there like, mm, and it says garbage Wookiee. He's got a banana peel on his head and he's just sad. <laughs> We're, we're all garbage wookies on the inside <laughs> um and so yeah so we, we cut, back. cut away to tarkin yeah and and of course the thing about like we've let them go so we can follow them to the rebel base right uh this we, is maybe the best looking peter cushing we've gotten so far uh, agreed agreed it is it is much closer to like the the bone structure of his face actually and then immediately follow it up by he looks like one of the grumpy old men in the fall in the next panel. <laughs> He's about to stick a fish in Jack Lemon's car. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Also, just this, just comic books don't do this kind of thing where where it's it's Luke and Han in the gunner seat, then then if still in the Falcon, then then to Tarkin and Vader for two panels, then back to the Falcon on one page. That's a lot of jumping around for a comic book page. And again, we've said this in every episode of covering this special so far. It really is relying on the fact that you've seen this movie. You know the events that should be happening. So your mind is just sort of filling in. Be honest with me, John. When you were reading this issue or any of these issues, really. Right. How long are you actually lingering on the dialogue or are you just skimming it? It's skimming. I'm basically, because I'm so familiar with the movie, I'm skimming for anything that seems out of place or different or missing or something. So it's more, but it is more, I'm almost going like, "Uh uh uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. Ooh, what's this? I found myself doing that when reading this issue and I had to stop after I had like blazed through like six or seven pages being like i don't think i actually read any of the words that are on those pages other than like a perfunctory like i know what this dialogue looks like i look for the key verb or adjective that's in it and then i move on and i had i backed up and i forced myself to read this (laughs) i was focused more on the uh like i said i was more and what i've been harping on is i'm more on like the facial expressions of what okay i know this is what they're saying and this is a perfect example of this, uh, not a bad bit of rescuing, huh? You know, sometimes I amaze even myself with the dourest look on his face. Mm-hmm. That's supposed to be I like think. a cocky Han Solo moment, right? It, it says, sometimes I amaze even myself. Easy? You call that easy? Yeah. <laughs> He's walking around like Don Draper in this one. <laughs> Because, yeah, Tarkin says, I'm taking an awful risk. They're letting him go. Uh, Han's like, not this ship, sister. Uh, and we get this whole, yeah, Han just looks so dour in all of this. 
It also does not look at all like Harrison Ford. Um, well, and we'll get to the, the final image of Han on this page here, because we have this exchange between Leia and Han about like, well, at least we've got R2. We've got to get to the rebel base. Han's only in it for the money. Oh, you'll get your money. Your friend's a mercenary. Uh, I wonder if he really cares about anything or anybody. Uh, Luke getting the... Uh, I kind of do miss the 1970s version where he goes, I care, with this look of, like, indignant rage on his face. And this okay, one's yeah, very... I, I miss irrational, out-of-control Luke. Uh, <laughs> but look at this. Look at Han. Look at, look at the thing where it's over Han's shoulder looking back at them. Look at how sad he is. Well, that, it's that really fall. Yeah. Oh, princess, that's a pretty mean thing for you to say to me. Jeez. Uh, and then yeah, we get this, and there. I will say it's it's the facial expressions because he's capturing actually some of the physicality of Harrison Ford. He's got the classic Harrison Ford point because mm-hmm. you can go on YouTube and find all the videos of Harrison Ford pointing. It is a lot of his acting is him pointing <laughs> at people, and then they've even got him doing the like relaxed arm on the Falcon chair, which is but his face. Look at he's doing that. Uh, so what do you think of her, Han? And his head is down, going like. I'm trying not to, kid. That's not <laughs> right. Yeah, or like the wistful over the shoulder. Do you think a princess and a guy like me and Luke going in with the no? And then he <laughs> suddenly turns into Alan Alda as he grins at Luke. That's right, son. <laughs> the face here is just such a wild departure from the basic trace of yeah, you Harrison think a- Ford we've seen. <laughs> You think a princess like her and a guy like me could get together? Huh? Maybe uh, get to get together in a mash tent. <laughs> but it's still played as like, huh, yeah. But I know it's true. Like, yeah, I, I, I don't know that this whole beat again. They give us the beat here, which I appreciate, but it's yeah. just weird tweaks to it that are odd absolutely it's so weird all right so let's go to the fourth moon of yavin the the jungle uh, moon the green covered jungle moon of yavin why aren't there paragraphs of dialogue to telling me how much no, I, of, I, I, have no I, I have no idea what the landscape of this planet is like what color it is how many trees are there um but we do get the guy with the uh with the radar gun I do like the radar gun, Kai. Uh, didn't they enhance that in the special edition they, a little bit with the, the the approach of the the Falcon in the that, scene? I think that's why they make a point of putting that in here. Hmm. Um, and so once again, here we go. Uh, you're safe, Alderaan. Everybody is. Uh, everybody we have no time for sorrows, Commander. We have information in this R two unit that can help us plan our attack. No time for sorrows, but everybody's looking so sorrowful. Well, they are all about to die because the Death Star is coming. So, I don't know. know. Just yet, though. Now they do, though, because we're going to cut to, once again, so weird to just the last panel is a cut to another location. I, I, as somebody who, as, as somebody who writes comics, this pisses me off. As somebody who sits there really thinking about, like, where to transition from stuff to stuff. and ugh. Pacing in comics is really about where you're directing the reader's eyeline, right? And the Mm -hmm. one thing you can really, really control as a creator of a comic book is where the page break or page turn is. Because otherwise, a person's eye can drift all over the page, and you Mm -hmm. can't really control what images they see, except when it comes to turning a page. 
And let me say, do we really need, because it's just this one panel, yeah. do we really need that we are approaching Yavin? If you had to, like, just take a cleaver to this and start hacking stuff out? No, I don't think so. Especially when it's, I mean, especially when you, you just the one panel and then we're back to, once it, that same two panels of radar guy. Couldn't we just as easily have a wide shot of the fourth moon of Yavin? And, and the, the Death Star. Yeah. Yeah. That would also be, I don't know, a visual way to tell a story, which I... Right. Who knows? Anyway, let's... Uh, yeah, we get it. We get another just spotlight shot of Radar Guy. Well, now it's General oh. Dodonna's time to shine, though. That's right, everybody. Now the movie's about me. <laughs> Beardy McBeardface, as some people called him. Beardy oh Rebel, God. as others have called him. He is one of, He is one of the beardiest faces in the history of film. <laughs> it's like it's him and right above Gimli and that's it yeah yeah those are two, <laughs> two of cinema's most bearded faces and once again I know we're preparing for battle but everybody it's not even that they're dour they're so just expressionless they're not even talking like they don't even they don't even do it where it's like they're just like oh. one of the things I really like in this scene in the original movie is it does feel like a fighter pilot like ready room right where you've got like the different clicks of fighter pilots kind of sitting together chatting offhandedly as they're being presented this information it looks like this ragtag group that's come together right like it's that definitely is that vibe in this we're in a college like uh uh all right yes pay attention everyone yeah exactly we're in a college classroom and so when I think this is maybe supposed to be Wedge speaks up and says, pardon me for asking, sir, but what good are snub fighters going to be against that? Just it, he, the most like deadpan face I've seen drawn. He actually does look like a person. And for some reason, we have Leia's cocked eyebrow in the foreground. Like, who's this guy? Who's this <laughs> asshole? Wedge and Teelys, get the fuck out of here. He's not a main character. Get out of here. What are you doing? Hey, yes, and, and then, excuse me, I believe this is a general Dodonna scene. Shut the fuck up. The beard is talking. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, stepping on my lines, are you, huh? Mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so he's all pissed off. John, John, he, he looks a lot like John Huston. He looks like, actually, the guy in the movie looks like John Huston, too, but... Mm. Uh, but yeah, oh my god, oh, and then the next page is just all Dodonna, all day, man. Of the things you could have cut, you would think the long monologue, Yeah, I guess it's technically a soliloquy, that Dodonna's delivering here about the defensive capabilities of the Death Star could have been trimmed, but Oh my no. god. <laughs> Thrill, as, a, as an old man talks and a bunch of people listen. Uh, That's what I want in my comic book. We get Luke kicking it here, saying like, oh, of course it's possible. I used to bullseye Womp Rats with my T-16 back home. But once again, look at those sad eyes. I used to kill those Womp Rats. Really, uh, <sighs> really watched them die as a child while piloting <laughs> my T-16. Uncle Owen used to say, make sure they're dead. Confirm the kill, Luke. Confirm yeah. the kill. You know how they say that sociopaths start by killing animals. And <laughs> just pretty worried about my mental state of things. Yeah. 
just killed a whole bunch of guys on the way over here. I, uh-huh. I, I do like how the geography of this room radically changes when we get this oh. reverse shot from behind Dodonna. Because in the previous page, it looks like this vaulted auditorium type thing. You get the reverse <laughs> shot, and they're actually like wedged in a weird crook of a corridor here. And there's like stone masonry like there's a chimney in this place <laughs> well they are in like that big ancient pyramid on yavin they, they, they are but the weird it doesn't look like that 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 mm. that little thing looks like somebody's home the masonry <laughs> you know like it doesn't look like we're just in the uh and then it's like all right everybody get on out there may the force be with you and all that yeah and whatnot and such and such and such um Oh, yeah. No. Here's that shot we could have gotten that yeah. would have established the Death Star is there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, we could have easily lost that insert panel and just have this as the narration or whoever is talking to Tarkin and says, orbiting the planet at maximum velocity, the moon will be within range in 30 minutes. Like, that's yep. what you need for the setup, right? No, I just love the idea that they felt they're like, no, we need a check in that they're approaching it. And now two pages later, they have arrived. Meanwhile, we've lost the most important character in this movie, John. Where's Biggs? Where is Biggs, man? Hashtag Biggs Erasure. Um, this comic book, in its smartest move, does erase the thing that people point to in the movie as like, well, you probably could have lost that in the third I've act. Long said, if you cut Biggs out of the beginning, you probably needed to cut him out of the end too, because it really they kind of only work together those scenes, right? Exactly. So having him just show up at the end as he does in the actual movie and being like, oh, yeah, Biggs, we know him from that scene that doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then he dies. and You're like, oh, that's sad. They Luke remembered that guy 10 minutes ago. Mm-hmm. So when this comic book loses him entirely, I go, oh, yeah, that tracks. Yeah. Actually, good, good job comic, I guess. Weird, yeah, it's like weird moment for me to be like, oh, kind of a good call on that, actually. Weirdly, mm-hmm. here's Han. I always love, I, I've always loved this in the movie. Han's rewards are just in like loose boxes of different shapes and sizes. I do miss the labels that the 70s comic had oh of this is treasure for Han Solo. <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me, hey, whoa, what does that box say, pal? Han Solo's treasure. <laughs> also, <laughs> I. The fact that we never see what treasure it is, like I assume it's yeah. money, right? But it's yeah, I always in loose yeah. boxes. <laughs> yeah, it's got to be like gold, something, well, or we've coins seen or... physical representations of money in Star Wars, and like yeah, each, and it, each and different it, planet or... has a different currency. But there's also yeah. like Republic credits sometimes, or there's an well, Imperial I'm... standard pay as well. Well, like when you see on Mandalorian the Beskar, right? That's in like bars or mm-hmm. uh, the, the I love the weird uh, Mon Calamari like jelly currency. Mm-hmm. Very fun. And yeah, Andor so, when they rob that vault and it's like all of the little uh, Imperial coins. Yeah. So I figure it's some kind of collection of coins, bars, something like that, right? Like mm-hmm. whatever. But, but it's always, always just funny to me that it's in just like big crates. And he's like, here you go. Here's my money. And there's and they're all different too. Like there was no standard yeah. money crate. It's just like, well, That's we got idea. everyone to get up like their lunch bags together. And yeah, like this is a lot of money we're giving this guy. We don't have enough things. Can uh, <laughs> go ahead and empty that? Are we using that box for anything? Can we put some more in there? Uh, yeah, just, there's something funny about that to me. Yeah, uh, Porkins, Porkins, and- give me your tackle box. I need your tackle box. <laughs> Come on, boss! I got my hoagie in there. Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, but boy, you talk about not abridging this whole Han and Luke conversation is here. Yeah. But we do get a little bit of a better beat in this one, thanks to the fact that in the in the seventies comic, we kind of have the "May the Force be with you" from Han as an aside that loses all meaning yeah. in the relationship building between actually, Luke I would and Han. Expect that of this comic because it's right. been doing that the whole time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then final a final chewy rumpf, a good old fashioned rumpf, you know, like you do. What are you looking at, rumpf? <laughs> and in the up. in the movie, it is just like Chewie giving him a shrug, like you know, you old softy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What I'll, I'll tell you what it is though, no behavior that deserves a medal. That's for fucking sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, so they're readying the X wing as we go to the next page here. Yeah, uh, we get one more kiss from Leia. Yeah, well, I just once again when you when you stretch out all this stuff that we're talking about. It really loses a lot of the like, guy. There's imminent danger. It seems like they can just take their time getting in these X wings, mm-hmm. whatever. And like in the movie, there is like once they get to Yavin, it's like pretty quickly. Like, here's what we're doing. We're doing this. Everybody, get in your fighters. Let's go. Like, there's just sort of this. Even though technically all this stuff happens, when you start making it page after page, you're turning through. It loses a lot of that. Like, okay, you know, it doesn't. And and comics have that in general, but. By, they really stretch this sequence. Especially when none of the characters have any emotion on their faces. That, yeah, because look at this whole exchange between Luke and Leia. Blank face, Luke Skywalker, man. Look Leia looks sleepy kid. in the middle panel yeah. here. Her eyes mm-hmm. are hooded. She's just like, oh, you look going out? Okay. I, I just took a bunch of quaaludes, so I'm going to go take a nap. <laughs> You well, that, act- that actually, unfortunately, was probably what Carrie Fisher was. Um, oh, she uh, was yeah, more of it, a Coke girl. We all know this. She was, yep. <laughs> hey, man. And she, I mean, we're not saying anything she didn't say herself. So, yeah, uh, like, look. <laughs> uh, she was pretty on Front Street about that stuff. But yeah, and he's just going, I only, I only wish Ben were here. Here's like a question that. for you. Yeah. If Kenobi had survived the Death Star, what would he have done during this conflict? He he would just be basically doing. He would just be with Dadana, wouldn't he? I I mean, he would. You think he would have flown? No, he Obi Wan famously hates flying. Correct. <laughs> I don't think. Yeah, it's true. I don't think he would have had much to add. Yeah. I mean, beyond just like he would just be it moral would be, support. Yeah. Moral support and like you've been in war before. Is this a good plan? Yes. <laughs> I don't well, know. If if we were doing the same plan we've had with the last Skywalker I flew with, shit would be exploding <laughs> already. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's I'm sorry. What he would bring to the party? His famous snark. <laughs> one of my one of the best things about Obi-Wan is just how snarky he is. No, Obi-Wan dies i mean it's sad that he dies but you're like no really his story has ended his usefulness to this thing mm-hmm. is kind of over right no i i can't i cannot see obi-wan kenobi especially alec guinness obi-wan kenobi that's what getting i mean yes into the cockpit of an x-wing no no and then and then and there's really nothing they need from him on the ground actually the exact same thing would happen Mm-hmm. He would tell Luke to trust his feelings. He would just be doing it from the ground on a comm link instead of as a force ghost. So, I mean, actually, Obi-Wan never seemed that upset about being a force ghost. I think everything kind of works out for that guy. Eh, yeah, 
Pretty, it's pretty sweet. Although I sometimes have to sit down. I always, that always <laughs> gets ghost, me. Yeah. yeah. Hold on. Let me just. Oh, that's the stuff. Um, <laughs> we get a whole page of 3PO telling R2 to be careful. Oh a whole God. page. The <laughs> well, look at, look at how we're even because we're we have so many pages to waste. Look at look at this whole look how big these panels are. They're just like I don't know, man. We now 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 we're just trying to make page count. Yeah, the other yeah. way. Like before, we were tr- cropping stuff. Now, well, because look at this takeoff sequence when we go to the next page. You asked the question of whether or not like the guy who was writing the adaptation here, mm-hmm. like was just starting to adapt it and then kind of figured out where uh, Bruce Jones as yeah. the writer here. Whether or not he figured out where the act breaks and the issue breaks were after the fact. And yeah. it really does feel like the script was probably written mm-hmm. before any of these issues came out, obviously. And it yeah. really felt like it was up to the artist to figure out the page count after everything was written. It does feel like that. It's like when it's like when you were a kid and you were making like a sign for school <laughs> and you the big letters and then you go, oh shit. And you'd realize. <laughs> It would get smaller as it goes. Happy around. birthday! Yeah, that's that's what this comic feels like to me. Where it's like only it's the opposite. Where you start out going like, I gotta cram in as much as I, and then you're like, Oh god, oh god, oh god! Now I got too much space. Now I gotta do the big letters at the end here. Yeah, because this next page is just them pulling out the fueling tanks and a shot of somebody inside of the cockpit. The, the cockpit guy one really makes me laugh, where it's just some guy sitting there. It might be Luke, who knows? And I guess it's falling, because once again, we have those curved lines, so I guess it's the the cockpit, the canopy coming down. Yeah. it's got the shoop lines. We got and then we've got the guy with the signals going, all right, mm-hmm. bring it out, bring it out. We get the one last I, May the Force Be With You from the Ghost with Luke. Somebody's talking to him. Uh, who, who can say? And then we're golfing going. And once again, third panel in this comic of Radar Guy. He is the star of this issue. <laughs> I do love Bye. Him. Bye. What a shitty Bye. post that would be. It's oh, just Lord. like, okay, we've got these things that let you be a lookout. Uh, yeah. Oh, you mean macro binoculars? No, 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 no. It's like a stick that like goes up into the air, and you stand on the top of it. Oh, well, there's like a little canopy for me to hang out in. No, no, no. It's really more of like a podium for your legs, and you just kind of got to stand there. Well, how do I go to the bathroom? Oh, we'll look. It's a long way up, and there's trees in the way. You'll be fine. This is a catheter situation, right? <laughs> He's got a little bag up there. Um, somebody. Can somebody give me some food or something? And then it's like, and what do I do? I, you just kind of watch the skies, and if any ships come in, you tell us. Don't we have radar? Well, yeah, we do, but... Yeah, but we need a guy up there. <laughs> do you, like, what, is he, what readings is he getting? Like, when the Falcon comes in, he's got the thing, he's going, what, what is that scanning? He's making sure he's not speeding. It's a 35, yeah. John. You gotta slow down pretty quick oh. on the 11 4 <laughs> Oh, I would love that if it's like they they land and they're doing all this stuff, and then this guy just comes up to, "Hey, Solo, come here. I clocked you doing forty five and a 30. And I gotta I gotta write you up for that shit. It's a Coruscant. You'd, that'd be a felony. That's a school zone. <laughs> uh, all right, so now we're we're in the the control room. Do love a good situation room scene in anything. 
Yep. Uh, and well, they're all get, around. That is an insert panel over this massive shot of the gas giant that Yavin orbits with, I think that's supposed to be the Death Star in the bottom left there, but boy, is it not done in any yeah. detail. No, it's it's really bad. And then we get another special edition shot, which is this very the remember the the big thing with the CGI X wings flying in formation. Right. We saw their approach in a little bit more detail. Was we get some X wings and some Y wings? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which yes. I, I mean, which I do remember that being a thing that impressed me as a kid when I saw. It. I was like, oh my god, so many ships. We get all the Red Squadron uh, checking in, including oh, we need all of this. Including a mustachioed man who is never named. <laughs> Red three has no eyes. Even he is a specter haunting this book. I'm dead already, Luke. <laughs> Biggs is going into this fight as a dead man. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, folks. This isn't Biggs. This is Boston Brand, the dead man himself. Um, but who? Who does no get a name? Well, oh, Porkins has a beard in this one. Don't worry about it. <laughs> It's red yeah, six. Yeah, and it's 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 a heavier set guy, but that Porkins that doesn't look like Porkins. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Uh, Why does he have this big bushy white beard? Santa joined us. <laughs> Santa oh, Claus has oh, joined Red Squadron. That's right. My X Wing is pulled by reindeer. <laughs> oh. I don't believe in any hokey force, but Christmas spirit will get me through this. Also I will say just in general, aside from the mustache and the slightly larger face uh, and beard, all these guys have the same face. Yeah. Yeah. There's a bad case of the same face going on here. It's a bad case of the same face because the last one is Luke Skywalker. Uh, And they they also make a point of calling out Wedge. I was going to say in the middle panel here, when we have Red 2, Wedge Antilles himself calling himself out. And the captioning says Wedge 2 readies himself for the onslaught, implying you know who Wedge is, even though this comic has literally never said nor will ever say his name before or after this panel. If you just watch the movie, it's only sort of in retrospect, having seen all the movies... That we know who Wedge. I mean, Wedge is certainly talked about in the movie, but like the importance of Wedge becomes clearer as the franchise goes forward. I believe in the first movie, the only line that even says his name is somebody says, "Get out of here, Wedge!" After yeah. when Luke's about to do his first attempt at the trench because run. Wedge and 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 I do think this is interesting because I feel like this is almost a dark horse thing, right? Because yes, Wedge it absolutely is. is one of my favorite Star Wars characters, and it has almost nothing to do with the movies themselves. He is a character that lives and dies on comics and novels in the nineties, yeah. specifically. The cool I mean, the coolest thing about Wedge in the movies is that he is the one guy who survives all the battles. He's sort of the the other guy who you're like, wow, that guy's always there at everything. He's sort of the unsung hero of Star Wars. In Star Trek, it happens a lot where you'll have some background character be there long enough that eventually somebody will say, say his name. Chief O'Brien is the biggest example of this I can think of. Chief in Star O'Brien Trek. Is, is just is just crewman in the yeah. he's in the pilot of Next Generation, and uh-huh. he's literally just like guy at console. Mm-hmm. And eventually, he's like security officer, and then eventually becomes O'Brien. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that's and sort Wedge of is Wedge. that to Star Wars. Yeah. Uh, so, all right, we're flying in. The only man to have killed two Death Stars. True, man. Oh, oh, oh. I do love, and, and then, and then, of course, all the comics and 
uh, and books and everything made me love that character. I love Wedge Antilles. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, we get all of them checking in. They're flying towards the Death Star and they're locking S-foils into attack position. We get this big, grand, sweeping shot of all the X-Wings flying in. And this book is just belaboring home the point that we're going there. We're flying there. We're going to get there. Oh, next page even. We're still flying there. My God. Okay. My God. And, 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 and they get there so fast in the movie. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, they fly from the planet and it's there, basically. What? It's just like, boy, if you're, if you're like a, a space procedure nerd, oh, this is porn, man, because it's all like, you know, uh, uh, passing through magnetic field, lock S foils, double front, switch deflectors. They open up the wings. Like you get every sense of how you like operate an X wing here. Yeah. As the rebel fighters approach, complex patterns on the Death Star's metallic surface begin to become visible. AKA, well, they get closer. <laughs> And here's the thing. He really hasn't been doing much of these Roy Thomas-esque descriptions. All of a sudden, here they come. Mm-hmm. Yeah. L- Luke adjusts his controls as the ship begins to be buffeted slightly. <laughs> Good lord. And then you get all the, look at the size of that. I mean, I do like the look at the size of that thing, except for who the fuck is that? Just some guy. Uh, I mean, I think in the movie it's Biggs, right? Is it? I mean, I think it is. Who knows? It's red, in too, the, here. In, in this, it's Wedge, I guess. Well, because Wedge is now the most important character in Star Wars. I mean, yeah. uh, Accelerate to attack speed, and we're flying in, we're flying in. <sighs> this third <laughs> issue doesn't need to exist. Nope. This is it, boys. And the battle is joined. And here we go. So we end No, this third the- issue is a total waste of everyone's time. The issue ends with them sweeping over the defensive batteries of the Death Star. And as battle, like you said, battle is joined. And boy, this is going to be a short episode of this particular show because that's so. There's nothing here. There's nothing here. I don't know if I've read a comic that has nothing happened in it as much as this one. I've never in my life seen this. Last episode, we sort of talked about breaking down the act structure of A New Hope. And what this issue proves is that if you don't break it up three ways or break it up six Mm -hmm. ways, even. Right. Right. And even that felt like a slog. It did. It felt like a slog, but at least it like most of the breaks made some semblance of sense because it was like, all right, if you break the three acts of the movie up into two halves of each act, it kind of works. Right. At least at least just from a like. This is an ending. This is an ending. This is an ending. It still is a slog. But here, right. no, nothing happens in this issue. Yeah. So. <laughs> and it takes forever. It takes forever for nothing to happen. The only reason I feel like this was broken into four issues was for a four part cover mural. That feels yep. like the only yeah. motivation I can think of that makes sense. Yep. Yep. it's all and that's totally indicative of 90s comics uh right where it's all about the collecting aspect of it but if that's the case 
And it is just a really heartless cash grab, which we all kind of recognize that it is, especially in late 90s comics with all the lenticular covers and all the different variant issues and everything that they did to try to uh, tweak the collector market, which inevitably backfired on the industry. Oh, I mean, we're, we're in fact, 97, we're right at the bursting of the bubble of the comics collector's market. Mm hmm. This is this is ending. This is the the sort of where image has got to start rethinking shit. But if we accept that as the premise, yes. why even stop at four? Why not do six or nine issues of this? Yeah, to make yeah. it even bigger and force people Still to buy more issues. All in, man, because there are nerds out there who will just go. It says Star Wars. Put it in my box. Mm-hmm. Or. At this point, we've had some of the uh, the stuff released of, like, the cut scenes and, like, we've seen the behind-the-scenes stuff of this original movie. Why not dump all that stuff back into a comic book adaptation like they did back in the 70s? It's amazing that that... I'm shocked that they didn't... And actually, they don't even indulge the special edition stuff as much as they could. Yeah. I mean, they lavishly give us a page and a half of Jabba the Hutt showing back up. And yet we don't spend all that much time on Han running around inside the Death Star and running into that yeah. big hangar full of stormtroopers. Well, it's weird. It's weird giving when they us a full double action. page spread of the uh, the X wings going to the the Death Star. Yeah, it's so interesting when they even gloss over action beats because you would think those would be where they'd really. And here they are, but earlier it was like whatever, 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 get through this, and now it's like. Oh, no, we're going to approach the Death Star for five pages. I mean, I, I, I'm going to bring the comic book back up real quick for our, our yeah. YouTube viewers. But like, OK, let, let's do a countdown of how many pages I'm going to start at the end here. How many pages do we take to get to the Death Star? It's one, two, three, four, five, six, oh. seven as oh. as we're taking off from Yavin. And that's oh a third God. of the book's length. Oh, my God. That's. That's so bad. That's just bad. That's just bad comic book storytelling. I'm sorry. It's like one of those things where it's like, look, man, I I, I don't want to be one of these guys going, yeah, it sucks, but that it's just objectively poor storytelling. Right. Or or it's it's non-existent. It's not even telling a story. Because the story is some pl- some ships flew from this place to that place. They don't do anything. <laughs> that as- you gotta get the next issue, see them do something as we keep saying in this coverage is that this book works so hard to make you do all the work of remembering star Wars. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This book is doing the same work of collectible trading cards that were coming out at the same time. (laughs) It might as well be. I remember the scene where Han met Luke in the cantina. What Mm -hmm. a wild time that was. Right. Yeah, now, th- this is a result of the collector's market and the fever around Star Wars merchandise getting back into a level of uh, sales that hadn't been seen since the late seventies. Correct. Yeah, and it was this was this was all part of this like Star Wars is coming back, baby. Because something that we always have to keep in mind as we're covering this book, we love Star Wars comics. Of course. It was such a big part of our establishment of knowing this as a franchise. I mean, as we've talked about, because when we were like 
kids, like really elementary school kids, there weren't new Star Wars movies. So it was the comics, really, that carried a lot of that was what new Star Wars was to us. So video Wars game books. Yeah. Yeah. Books, comics, that sort of stuff. Uh, and, and so, yeah, that this stuff is, but boy, this is not, <laughs> we have yet to focus on any of the stuff that was actually like instrumental in well, that. We're laying a groundwork though, because something yeah. we have to keep in mind while we're doing this show and talking about these things that we, we do love is yes. that there is a level of crass commercialism that we sure. are participating in by even discussing these comics. No, there is, and that's always the thing about being a fan. You know, we love so many genre franchise things, and 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 those are the most of the art versus commerce thing, right? Mm -hmm. It is like I always think that's so interesting, though, when people talk about like movies or something. They go, "Oh, they just made a thing to make money." I'm like, every movie is just made to make money. <laughs> now, sometimes that's more glaring or damaging than other times. But the only reason you see any movie is because somebody with money said, I bet I could make more money if we made this thing. Sometimes the people saying the money also use the word toyetic, and that's a whole other conversation. Well, I'm not, the, the, the thing you hope is that somebody is, some, the person writing the check is handing it to a creative person who actually cares about the thing and wants to make art. That's right. the best case scenario. Right. Right. And we, so, yeah. The books that we endeavor, that we want to talk about on this show, mm -hmm. and in the long term, we will. We're just yeah. setting the, the table here with a lot of the earlier stuff, including this, is we want to talk about those stories that people took Star Wars as a, a thing that existed as a pop culture pillar that it was becoming and said, I think I can tell an interesting story in this space in comic books specifically. Right. And whether right. that is uh, Archie Goodwin in the like late seventies, having started something with the adaptations at Marvel and then going, I have other stories to tell in this universe. That's and whether that's, or not that stumbles or succeeds is another. Well, but that discussion. is the thing is, is is I will say there is so much more charm and personality and even those stupid you know Crimson Jack stories. At least that's <laughs> attempting to be additive, right? right? Like even if it's dumb, it's still like oh, I'm going to try to add to this universe because that's the thing I was thinking about when you talk about the novel, the novelizations versus this comic book. The novelizations are at least additive. They're trying to add character motivations, internal monologue kind of stuff. That's mm -hmm. building on a thing. This is a reduction. It's it's actually subtracting from yeah. the thing. It's making yeah. it. And so that's why I get mad. <laughs> and that's totally fair. But it's just yeah. something. It's part of this discussion, and I think this is going to serve as yet another interesting goalpost in when we're talking about the larger conversation of Star Wars comics is on one end, we have people who had no idea what Star Wars was yes. in the original adaptation. Then we have people who are enthusiastic, if not quite grasping what the entirety of Star Wars would become in the later editions. This doesn't feel very loving in like, my God, I'm getting to tell this. It feels like I got it. I just got to do this. This feels like something that we're probably going to see again before we're done talking about Star Wars comics. And that is what can we pump out that somebody will buy because it has the Star Wars logo on it? Yes. Yes, indeed. And 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 that's that's a bummer to read because it, it, bring, it, 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 it brings your enthusiasm back to 
oh, this is a commercial product. I don't want to be thinking that when I'm consuming a Star Wars thing. Even if I know, of course, somebody thinks there's money to be made, I shouldn't be thinking that. Whereas here I'm going like, boy, they just thought we'd buy anything, didn't they? Somebody designed Grogu to be, these people are going to fucking buy Baby Yoda like nobody's business. But But then other people fill in the actual story of it and go, okay, well, who is this guy? What is the thing with it? You know, there is a harmony between those things. I, I, I think people are too cynical about the idea that it can't exist. Right. But at its, you know, genre storytelling, it's best finds a way to do that. So and look, if there's one thing we're striving to do here on this show, it's find a balance in the force between (laughs) the light side of creative thinking and the dark side of crass commercialism. True. True. Uh, So, uh, well, we'll have to find out how this thrilling story concludes next week. I wonder how this wraps up. I don't know, man. It seemed like these rebels seem like they're in real trouble. They're on the ropes. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know, man. This could get rough. Uh, <laughs> I think that guy in the mustache isn't long for this world. I'll say, yeah, that whoever much. that guy is, I don't know, man. He's deep <laughs> trouble. I, I'm not. I'm, I'm worried about the heavy set one too. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure he made the the physical fitness uh, requirements to be in there, but. Uh, uh, well, yeah, of course, uh, we want to thank you for listening and uh, you make sure you like, comment and subscribe uh, on whatever podcasting software you use or if you're watching on YouTube. Gurgani, what should people uh, talk to us about in the comments below? In the comments below, if you want to talk to us about, like, where do you think the line is between crass commercialism and <laughs> artistic Ooh. endeavor? Let's have a real earnest discussion about are, the, the balance between art and money. <laughs> You know, we're just going to get comments like, gay. Um, <laughs> and look, there's something to be said about introducing uh, people of different gender identities and sexual persuasions as a method of crass commercialism as well. Proving no matter what you say, we will spin it into a college level thesis. I uh, have an English degree. I can bullshit anything, Sean. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so, and of course, for more exclusive content from this show and all the shows on the Punch-Up Entertainment Network, go to our patron page, which is patron.podbean.com slash punchup. Absolutely. Thank you all so much for watching and listening. As always, I've been Mike Gergoni. I'm John Campbell. And may the panel be with you. (laughs) 